0: Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's nice a to come down, Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Mm. Oh. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate OE. Ultimate OE provides safe, unique, hunting-based experiences for passionate hunters and outdoorsmen. From hunting stone sheep in the mountains of British Columbia, rutting moose on the gravel bars of the Yukon, to chasing roaring red stags in the Highland of Scotland, Ultimate OE's paid overseas experiences are designed for hunters, by hunters, to maximise enjoyment, learning and experience. For more information... It can be found at ultimateoe.co.nz or flick us an email, give us a call. We're always happy to talk through what kind of hunting adventure would be best for you.
1: Today's conversation is with Rob Wilson. Rob is the CEO of Hunter's Element, the clothing brand. We basically have a pretty pretty solid discussion about, obviously we touch on hunting, but where I wanted to go and, and where it went was about their product development how they go about designing new garments. And the big one was how, as a company, they have made the conscious decision to decrease their impact on the environment. And they do that with recycling, with renewable garments, with, I guess, better, cleaner chemical alternatives and animal welfare. So really really cool conversation. I really enjoyed it. I hope the offset of this is our listeners and therefore, buyers, just think about some decisions when it comes, or some of the decisions they make when it comes to buying products and the impact it may or may not have um, for for all of us. So, really cool podcast. I enjoyed it. Um, have a listen. Okay, here we are. I got, managed to drag, drag Rob away from his office chair, I guess, for a, a brief time so we can have a conversation. And um, I really just wanted to, well, really have a conversation with you, Rob, about one on your journey obviously from where hunting started to how you applied that into your own business and and now where this business sits Um, for two main reasons obviously you're a hunter and and, and part of the brand is heavily in the hunting industry Uh, and secondly I like to talk to other people that I would consider an entrepreneur and I don't know how you feel with that term but that that was one of my views of you without knowing you so um I thank you for your time, and this is going to be a cool conversation. But essentially, Rob, where, where did hunting start for you, Rob?
2: Well, I've been an, an outdoors person all my life. I, um, I first sort of got into chasing uh, rabbits and possums down at the local reservoir. So I used to uh, go down there and mm-hmm. uh, shoot or try to shoot these rabbits with, a, um, with anything from, from slingshots to longbows through to uh, air rifles uh, when my grandfather used to come stay, he'd bring us air rifles. So, yeah, and, and then from there, I've always been, you know, into fishing. You know, I've been through saltwater fishing uh, and fly fishing, and still really enjoy both of those activities. Uh, and continued on with sort mm. of the the hunting journey. So I, um, I've hunted quite a bit around the North Island here, and you know, I've chased you know pretty much all the pigs and deer and and goats, rabbits, possums uh, in the north here. And, you know, in recent years, I've got into heading down to the magnificent South Island chasing, (laughs) um, you know, deer and tar down there. So, yeah, a lot of it for me is just getting out and about and enjoying the countryside.
1: Yeah, and it is a big part of, you know, why, well, like it's a big part of, what we get on our return on investment as hunters, you know, and I think we're lucky to still have an avenue or an interest that allows us to do that. I think, especially here in New Zealand, like we live in an amazing country. Like I'm down in the South Island too. So there'll be, there'll be some of the North Island purists that don't quite believe me, but you know, the South Island here is just a magic opportunity for hunting. Uh, Like you say, you know, even you've sort of bridged the difference, I guess.
2: Yeah, no, the South's incredible and, yeah it's you know you've got all seasons down there as well and you know it's hard to beat you know being down there in the middle of winter you know chasing tar or chamois or yeah it's just truly stunning. I suppose the one thing I really love about hunting in New Zealand is that we can hunt all year and you've got different species you know that are better at certain times of the year than others but yeah, yeah we on.
1: are. Our frequency, our frequency to hunt is is as high as it gets anywhere in the world, <clears throat> and, and you know, and exactly what you're saying, we get to hunt whenever it is we want to. Yeah, um, there's a few restrictions around birds and what have you, but but outside of that, um, it's it's really only determined by your your own ability and and, and outside uh, variables, I guess, like family and, and re- requirements in that respect. So you'd say your your granddad was a an influence or a mentor at that point, you know, back in the early days?
2: Yeah, it wasn't really a hunter, but um, we just sort of we enjoyed going down and doing that together. So, yep. um, yeah, it's just one of those cool things you do with your, you know, with your grandparents. So.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's something to share. And so, I guess from from, Definitely. you know, a very typical, I guess, Kiwi background, like how did you... Where were you inspired to, to, to enter the, I guess, the clothing world or the, the, I guess, merchandise or retail world? Like, what inspired that change for you or that
2: direction for you? Uh, well, I was, I was working at a uh, local hunting and fishing store here in Wellington and I was primarily in charge of the, the fly fishing department and often branching over into the, the hunting area. And while I was there, I, you know, I had a I wanted to do something for myself. I had done a previous venture before and sort of learned what I needed, you know, learned a few lessons there and I went off to university for a little bit to learn some of the areas that I needed to improve on. And while I was working at up Valley hunting and fishing, I started to spot a whole lot of areas that you know products could be done better. Uh, you know more user-friendly and higher performing and more durable and generally more technical a lot of the products that we had in new zealand were sort of suited the the sort of typical kiwi psyche you know they old number eight fence wire um just chuck your swanee on and go for a hunt kind of mentality yeah. and
1: sort of like a rural aspect versus a a technical hunt aspect.
2: Yeah, very much so. And and I think a lot of that was driven around the fact that people could, you know, go to work during the day, whether they're a tradie or a or working on a farm, and then, you know, pick up the rifle and chuck it over their shoulder and go into the hills in the evening. So you just wore what you wore. And so, yeah, so while I was there, I started, you know, researching and, and making moves on getting uh, some gear made, and I started getting it made – you know, dealing with some people in Asia and my first thing that I did was I brought out a fly fishing line of gear and so that was the Riverworks range and um, we continue to do that today and mm-hmm. and it was about a, a year after that we started I started getting into the hunting hunting gear, it took quite a bit longer to develop some of that stuff and yeah, we brought out our first uh, waterproof breathable raincoats and we just continued to to go from there, really. It's, um,
1: that was where Hunter's Element
2: started at that point? Was that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, branded so, as Hunter's Element? Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, about 15 years ago, roughly.
1: Yeah? Yeah. So, and then, well, I guess I'll jump across to, so you've always been quite entrepreneurial then. Like, it was, you were always going to do something for
2: yourself or in part for yourself. Like, that
1: was that always a, an indicator in the way you saw your,
2: your future? Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, when I was a young fellow, I used to, you know, be out there washing the neighbours' cars and mowing lawns all around the neighborhood and um, to basically pay for my hobbies. Um, yep. Yeah, that's how I managed to save up the money for my first longbow and my first crossbow, was doing that and just sort of continued on from there. I sort of got booted out of school, didn't like to conform with that. So, they, <laughs> um, yeah, so sort of, yeah, really knew that if I wanted to, to do something, I needed to do it on my own back, so... No, it's awesome.
1: It's awesome. I, I, um, like, (coughs) I've always considered myself an entrepreneur, but lived in a very, um, I guess typical family, and you know, I wasn't really raised that way. You know, my parents are more a eight to five, take the paycheck you get and do as much as you can with it, and save a portion, and you know, try not to risk too much at any point, and all that sort of stuff. And that was sort of how I grew up. But I was always battling that, so I always like a little bit like yourself. Always had my own jobs. Always wanted to pay my way or, or exceed in, in what it was that I had in terms of assets with my own drive and now I find myself well I don't know how you classify me now my friends would probably call me a compulsive entrepreneur in the fact that I have what I call my ether page <clears throat> on my computer which is my ideas and um cracky just it's just a it's just a <laughs> massive work in progress and I, th- I think it's cool I, I like to see Kiwis getting after it themselves. And we're pretty yeah, good at it. I think. I think you know, when we're pretty good naturally at being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think
2: Kiwis are very resourceful and they're pretty hungry. And they, you know, we're a country down the bottom of the world, but we achieve very high things. You know, for a small mm. population base, um, we certainly punch well above our weight. So, yeah. Mm. It's,
1: uh, so the hunters element now, because um, the, the, the actual business is, is evolve outdoors. Is that? yeah so yeah a company
2: names evolve outdoors, and yeah hunter's yep. element is so, our sort of main brand yep
1: yeah especially in terms of the hunting um direction so you were that's an australia Kiwi business, but the in terms of where it's run from um and then product is sourced internationally, is that fair
2: is yeah that- that's right, yeah, so we are de- yeah. um we're based in Wellington and mm-hmm. um we have our head office here, uh, so we design everything here in house we market everything we do. We'll have you know, videos and film and everything in-house here. And then we get our uh, – we have you know, a lot of long-standing suppliers in, in Asia that we use. And, yeah, and so that sort of covers our sort of supply line side of things. And then, mm. yeah, we, we have a warehouse uh, operation in Melbourne, Australia.
1: Mm-hmm. So and, is Australia uh, quite a, a reasonable market for you?
2: Yeah, it is a reasonable market. Uh, we're very strong in Australia. Um, the Australian people are, you know, really open to New Zealand hunting and what's sort of like a dream destination for them to come to. Um, mm-hmm. and then on the back of that, they need the right kind of gear to come here because it's a pretty challenging environment, you know, to, yep. to make gear that lasts, you know, for, for a very wide, um, range of conditions.
1: Mm, mm, so, so I guess this is, this is probably one of the biggest areas I've got no skill set in and, and really wanted to quiz you on like how do you go about like obviously you have some pretty clever people that are in a design type format but how do you how do you come up with new if you know what i mean like when i think of jackets jackets are jackets and i'm a very plain sort of guy when it comes to that like how do you you know the time and investment i get must be massive to to look at new well fabric for one new shapes new um I guess new ideas. Like, do, do you literally just start with a sketch and then move through to like pros yeah, and cons until it gets through? Yeah, and,
2: we've, yeah, we've, well, I've got a very talented uh, um, product designer here, uh, Alex Broad. And I mean, yeah, he's a, a passionate hunter as well. And yeah, basically, what we do is we, you know, we have a, a, a time to make a new jacket. So we basically start with a blank sheet and we, you know, we look at you know all the pros and cons of a, a previous model that we've done, and then we we look at you know the new areas that we really want to drive and, and push and challenge. And then we have to okay. go out there and start to you know piece together you know suitable fabrics, suitable membranes, um, you know, what are the new developments there? Mm-hmm. And then what are the um, and in more recent times, you know, how do we make something recyclable or recycled already? And then you know you've got the whole the fit the pattern so we have to make the patterns and and design yeah basically everything every stitch pretty much on a jacket needs to be you know put there for a specific reason Mm -hmm. and and then you've got to make it cover a wide range of body shapes and sizes and and different uses within the sort of you know the the hunting realm
1: yeah and with the with the the fabrics, um, and I'll talk a wee minute about the, your camouflage and so forth, but just with fabrics as a whole, is there is there continual development happening in that world? Like, uh, you know, in terms of waterproofness or, or toughness
2: or flexibility, like, are, there, are people always working on that? Like, yeah, there is always uh, developments going on. Um, and it just, it's sort of like, You might go a few years without anything major and then all of a sudden there's a decent leap. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like a lot of it is finding the right material and the right combination for our market uh, and then or or developing that. So we do work with uh, fabric mills to develop products and, you know, well, to develop yarns and then knit or weave them into uh, suitable fabrics for us to, to put on the product depending on what the purpose of the product is
1: mm-hmm. and and yeah, i guess so the next thing there is is your um your camouflage pattern like you've obviously again a lot of testing a lot of i guess research in terms of you know a couple of the key things i've got here you know, for prompts is around the sort of the animal science and the and the UV light research and and things like that. So you're actually really trying to make a, a difference in the why we wear the camouflage, not just how it looks to the purchaser. And that, and I don't I don't mean that from a very naive point of view, but you know, when you look at all the, all the brands that are out there now, like there's all these kinds of different camouflages. And and, and I guess for I always sort of wondered is is it really just because it looks cool, or it looks like an army pattern, or is it you know? And then to see that. The amount of work you guys put into it, I guess it kind of changed my perception because I'm still, you know, like I wear a little bit of technical clothing, especially like when I'm doing long backpack hunts. But then flip that over to my pig hunting here in New Zealand, and it's you know canvas chaps and you know a thermal mid layer and a and a warm layer. So I get a bit more basic, if you know what I mean. So I find it quite interesting. Like, and and why why did why did hunters element want to I guess come up with a new camouflage.
2: I mean it's <clears throat> I mean it sort of started out when we you know, we start with a blank slate of paper, you know, designing a product range. And it sort of we used to use one of the sort of mimicry patterns, um, which, you know, is the sticks and twigs style of camo. And we sat there mm-hmm. and I think like a lot of hunters do on the hills, they're sitting there and in there. Sticks and twigs, and it kind of doesn't really suit the environment that they're in. Um, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. So a lot of what we do is all around, you know, what makes sense and what's going to really work and what's going to really perform. So what we, you know, we sat down and thought, well, how do we do this better? And we basically thought about, well, what are we hunting? Why are we hunting them? And then it. it Came about making a pattern that was a visual noise to the animals we were hunting, rather than being something to please the hunter or make sense to the hunter. So that's sort of how we went about it. And then, what you know, once we figured out that was the most logical approach to camouflage design, uh, we then went out and researched how animals um, saw things, and and then. Designed a camo that targeted the weaknesses in their vision, so we're like it's just like our camo is just it's a visual noise mm-hmm. um, and 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 then yeah then it went through yeah mountains of d- designs and redesigns and retesting and yeah and, and and now we've got what you see today is our dissolved camo pattern range
1: and I actually randomly i remember a wee while ago reading I think it was a stuff article did oakley Pick up the, or use the camouflage, I guess. I don't know if if the terminology is quite right. Yeah, so
2: one of the other things that we've done here is we've sort of started a a licensing arm of our camo pattern. So that's called Dissolve Concealment. And we license our camo pattern to other brands overseas that are sort of Mm -hmm. complementary products. Uh, So we license it to Oakley in the States, um, a couple of other brands over there in the some of the technical hunting areas and also into um, Scandinavia and and into France as well so yeah you can go to the other side of the world and buy our camo on a different brand of products.
1: I guess intent wise do you see Hunter's Element as in the the camouflage and the brand being in the the North American or American North American scene if you like one day yeah we certainly do Yep. yep yep sort of
2: uh Bit of a work in progress,
1: shall we say? Yep. No, cool. Because I know, you know, like, I know there is, I mean, there's a lot of brands out there nowadays. The one thing I've noticed with, well, from my, again, my version of, with Hunter's Element is your technical, I guess, material and your fits are much closer to what I would call international competition. You know, like, you're sort of, you're in their market versus some of our other, I get, I don't know, not disrespecting anybody, but more basic Kiwi fits. If you like, so yeah, I, I definitely, definitely see, agree. With you know, that. You, you, yeah. you fit in that market. Yeah, we do fit in that market. The,
2: you know, there's a you know there is a big difference between different brand, uh, hunting brands on a global level. And I think yeah, the thing for for us is that we don't like to carry something heavier than what it needs to be. Um, yeah, and we don't like products that don't fit you. So yeah, our products are all slimmer fitting and 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 the patterns are, are shaped nicely to the human form so kind of just makes sense to make something fit you rather than wear a sack yeah it does and
1: yeah I thought I think I think you're definitely on the right direction for that sort of stuff and it's it's really changed over in that North American market like when I I've been doing ultimate OE now for 10 years mm. so basically training and sending guides or assistant guides over there for 10 years and when we first started it was I guess part of the the Kiwi attribute or Kiwi character to be out in the mountains in our rugby shorts and a, I guess a mid-layer polo fleece. That's what made us the hard, you know, quote unquote, the hard mountain men of New Zealand. Nowadays, basically, we've, we've got to turn up there in camouflage and we've got to be, we've basically got to fit with what is driven by the market now. You know, like, and it's really changed for my guys that I'm sending there now. So I think it would be awesome if Hunter's Element, you know, could find their their foot. Wherever they find it over there and be part of that brand. I think it'd be cool. Yeah,
2: it's certainly something that's on our horizon and that we want to do. It's more just, you know, m- making sure we're ready to do it, you know, that we've got the infrastructure yeah, yeah. And, the, and the scalability to do it. Because, yeah, it's pretty big markets over uh, there, particularly North America. And you've kind of got to be mm-hmm. prepared to go from small to massive in a very short space of time. So. It's just yeah. making sure that we're ready to do that is probably the biggest thing for us, and we're working on that yeah. now. Cool.
1: And then, so once we get... Well, once you, sorry, we. Once you get to a... Um, I guess, you know, you you you, get, you hit the green light and you get a couple made. I, you know, like, I know you, you have a pro team, or oh, I think that's the descriptive you use. But You know, a, a select few people in different, I guess, areas of the hunting industry, and they just go out and use it. Is that right? Is that sort of how you you test your product yeah so we have
2: um, yeah, a number of different people that we use to test gear for us and and give us feedback you know like for us it's really important that we know what works and what doesn't work you know how long mm-hmm. something lasts and you know so some of our protein guys are, are professional colours. Uh, some of them are guides some of them are just very passionate hunters and and they hunt in you know quite different environments and different terrains yeah it's really good to have a, sort of a broad range of people there that we can just you know chuck something on the courier to them, tell them to go away, use it, thrash it, and tell us what works, what doesn't work, and how long it lasts. Mm. It's a really valuable asset for us to have to you know get results quickly. And yeah, no, it is. a yeah, really good something way. Something cool, you know, in their backpack from us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is definitely the perks. But I think I think for the benefit of all the buyers, you know, it's good that. <clears throat> the groundwork's done because you know. I Sometimes I do see products, you know, especially in my time overseas, you know, that come out and from when a, when an actual hunter looks at it, I just go, "There's no practicality in that at all." <laughs> I, I just think, "Well, how'd they get that past the line?" But what have you, you know? So I, I think it's, I think it's a really good thing that you know you, you're testing and, and you're making sure they're suitable because yeah, I think the definitely. difference nowadays is there's, there's a change in the way hunters do things and there's a change in the demographic, and, and, and in part, you know, when you put all that design and innovation into clothing, price of the clothing gets up, and I don't have a problem with the price of the clothing, you know, like, it's it it sits where it needs to for all the work that goes into it, but where, where those comparative prices become an issue is when things aren't right and don't fit the purpose. Um, you know, that, that, that sort of adage was, you know, sort of buy once, cry once, and, and have good gear, versus trying to skimper here and there and and ended up having to buy again later on so I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, I it's I think a, it's a really good thing yeah it's all the details in the, in the
2: product that really mm-hmm. make or break it you know like everyone can have a have a nice waterproof raincoat but it's you know it's the fit it's the way that you know the, the pockets are put on there the way they're finished off and the way the hood fits or the peak the way the peak sits you know there's a lot of little details there that basically make or break mm-hmm. it and it does cost more to have the all the good trimmings and and all the nice fit. And you know, sometimes it means you have to have more seams, but it means you get a better fit and yep. a lot more comfortable. Do you, so, do you I mean, feel, though, like, oh, sorry. Uh, what I was going to say was like our job here is to basically make gear to help people um, enjoy their outdoor experience. So the more comfortable people are, they'll forget that they're wearing this gear and the more they can focus on their hunting, they'll be more confident and have a better trip and a higher chance
1: of success yeah is that is that sort of like a core value of that is a core value element or yeah yep, yep. awesome that's cool and do, do you do you feel that i guess i guess hunting in part has become i guess more fashionable and therefore the hunting clothing has is in part Added a fashion element, and I mean that by you know, like the caps and the beanies and the logo t-shirts and so forth, like that. Like to me, that's a quite a new, you know, it's almost like non-hunting wear, but it's uh, active wear that shows we're hunters. Do, yeah, do you well, see much of that? Are, yeah,
2: definitely, it's a big thing for us, and I think people are, are proud to be hunters. You know, they're mm-hmm. proud to be able to put food on the table for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. You know, traditionally there were a lot of, um, you know, country people were uh, hunters, whereas, uh, you know, now there is a lot of hunters in the big cities. Um, You don't really Mm. see them as much, but, you know, you walk around Wellington here and you'll see a whole pile of, you know, our gear and floating around. But, yes, I think people like to identify with being hunters and hunting clothing is, yeah, it is acceptable to wear in New Zealand.
1: Yep. No, it's cool. It, like, it's just something I've noticed, you know, like, um, and it, I think it's good. And I think it, it helps with, like, brand awareness and everything for you guys, you know, like, back in, you know, you go back a generation or two when hunting gear was only good. We had the gear in a mid layer. It was probably quite hard to have the brand awareness out there because the only people that saw it yeah. were one or two hunting buddies in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like my time so i think it's really cool i think it's cool. cool and i guess and so my next big conversation point uh and touching on pride and this is something i think you know you guys you particularly or or you guys as a whole should be very proud of and that's your sustainability promise to one yourselves and i guess to us as purchasers or us as just the public, really, um, and I was just wondered if you want to talk a bit more about that, and, and you know, the why and and the what you're doing. And yeah, well, our sustainability promise, yeah, it's a,
2: it is a big deal here, and you know, my team are really bought into it, and really, you know, some of them are really pushing hard, you know, to to do a better job. But basically, it's like we're in. A, I was sitting down uh, around a campfire uh, down south, and I was, you know, re- I was with a couple of mates and we were reminiscing around, you know, some of the hunting trips and fishing trips we'd done in the past and how the seasons have changed. You know, the fish runs out the same, duck shooting's not quite the same as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all know about global warming. We've all heard about it and, you know, some countries try to deny it exists. But (laughs) we see it when we go to Asia and, you know, quite... Extensively, and this sort of, i was sitting there thinking, "Well, how can we be an outdoor brand and not know what we're doing?" So we didn't have any idea on, you know, what we were doing, you know, you know how environmentally friendly we were or weren't. And mm-hmm. so basically, yeah, we I sat down here with my team and particularly uh, with uh, Alex, head product designer, and. We went through everything and mapped out the whole company, and like, yeah, we got a bit of a fright on, you know, how many plastic bags we're using and how much cardboard's non-recycled, and and then there was some other pretty scary things on some of the, you know, fabrics and and the materials that we had never even anticipated. So mm. we basically made a big hit list of stuff that we had to fix, and have started to. We've made some really good progress on that list. So we don't use plastic bags. All our cardboard's recycled or compostable. So it's made from recycled card um, and then can be re-recycled or you can just chuck it in the compost. And, yeah, we're kind of... Last year was our sort of first launch of that. And we also made... Majority of our uh, DWRs are PFC free. So, there's okay. really and that, that's your
1: durable water repellent,
2: is it? Yeah. So the durable water repellent is what goes on the outside of hunting clothing, and it makes the water beat off it yep. when it's new. And by keeping your garment, particularly a raincoat, uh, dry to help it dry faster, means it'll breathe a lot better. So you'll be a lot more comfortable. And yeah, there's a pretty nasty. Um, chemical made and the it's a byproduct on the back of making that the DWRs. So we've opted for a, a PFC free uh, version. So it doesn't work quite as well, but it's it's still very good. But yep. it's a lot more environmentally friendly. And yeah, the you know the cool stuff we're working on now is, you know, just more recycled fabrics throughout our products.
1: So the from a, from a straight out business point of view I guess you, you touched on it just a little bit there with the DWR, or, you know. Do you find, I guess, being more sustainable or, or eco-friendly or, or, you know, whatever sort of direction you're heading in, does it come, one, at a cost and, two, at a detriment to quality? Or, you know, is, is it achievable uh, in this day and age?
2: I think, I mean, cost is significantly higher. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of that's to do with there's not the level of volume for recycled materials. You know, it's, uh, it, uh, if the world's set up not to recycle stuff, it's set up to make you know yep. new virgin materials. So it's not as the volume increases, it will become more affordable to do. So, yeah, it costs more. And, yeah, sorry, what was your other part of the question there?
1: Like, do you have to sort of sway a little bit in the quality or the expected quality? Oh, the quality, yeah,
2: no, so. Like on the DWRs, probably the uh, the most noticeable part, but um, it doesn't. It's not significant the the quality variance. And in fact, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you go to your shop and you buy the, the DWRs that are sold separately, they're all PFC free as well. So it's right, it's still at, a, at at the at the premium end of the market, but it just doesn't work as well as the chemically yep.
1: version and you can just you can feel a bit better yourself about wearing it <laughs>
2: yeah exactly so yeah no, i think, I it think it's a
1: really good can. thing and i think it's a like i think it's a really cool thing and, and how i guess in part how i was first made aware of this was i was talking to finn ross a couple of podcasts ago down in lake hardware station um and he's very much into Sustainability and, and the entire station is, and so forth, like that. And, and he was talking about, um, I guess, your sustainability dis- procedures and decisions and stuff. And uh, I think it's a, it's something, you know, we as New Zealand, but obviously the, the whole world needs to get on board. Where, you know, the unfortunate immediate negative is, you know, Jeepers, we're that small that if everyone else doesn't jump on board and do something, then in part they're wasted efforts. But I don't, I don't feel like it's a wasted effort if you can feel good about the difference you make yourself. And and one of the interesting things that I learnt with this discussion with Finn was the Earth Overshoot Day. Um, and I don't know, do you do you know much about the Earth Overshoot
2: Day? No, no,
1: I don't. Not. For me, it was a very easy metric in the fact that we really need to do something. And it was a little bit like what you said before about, you know, everybody understands or, or knows of global warming and knows that we need to change something and so forth. But the Earth Overshoot Day is is a given calendar day where we as a population use more natural resources from the planet um or or, you know affect more natural resources from the planet that will be that the planet can make within that calendar year and i think it was 1970 was the first time you know in terms of i think it was like december 20 or something like that so we were kind of four or five days short of being sustainable as a planet and nowadays it's right back in june so essentially for the second half of the year we are are taxing from the planet and for me it was a really really basic way to go to see it if, it, if that makes sense like you know i'm, I'm very much you put it in black and white in front of me and i get it but when you just talk about it and, and it doesn't affect me wholeheartedly day to day i, I guess in part i just blow it off um, and the earth overshoot day was it really highlighted to me that we as in everybody needs to be doing something and i think it's a, it's a real credit to hunter's element or evolve outdoors that you as a company are willing to do it knowing that actually it's going to cost you know because it's that's largely where you know from my history anyway that's where business a lot of business decisions are made in the financial understanding of whether they're good or bad decisions you know and for this one for you guys it's purely about being better to the environment and being better to the planet so i i i Definitely, yeah, it's 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 something you can't
2: put a financial cost on, you know. Like, we look at it, we know the dollars and cents involved in it, but we don't have the right not to do it. Yeah, we have to do it, and we believe everyone else in our industry has to follow suit as well. Mm Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, you
1: know, if you're going to do it, you might as well be a leader. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and one of the other the, one of the other really poor ones that i've you know become aware of my wife's my wife's a vet and we um i don't know how we come about this but this it was the the down plucking and i think it actually came about after i brought uh, a down duvet for our bed unfortunately then it all become apparent that we may or may not have been buying products that were affected this way and so that that's an, another avenue that you've gone away completely from isn't it the, the the down plucking, which in, in an old old description, it's basically a, a farm as such. A, it's probably a poor word. The farmers won't like me using it, but where they they pluck live birds to gather their down, let it regrow, pluck them again. It doesn't take much to understand that that's not very tasteful. No, I feel like pulling your hair out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horrendous. exactly. Mm.
1: So now you gather your down. Well, I, as I understand, and, and please correct me, you've gone two ways. You've gone to find the best. Synthetic comparative, and also found a down an authentic down source that is a byproduct, so forth. So I, I don't know if I worded that quite right, but is that is that sort of where you went with? Yeah, that? that's correct. Yeah. So when we first bought
2: out our first range of Puffer uh, jackets, we, we sourced what at the time was the very best and um, a synthetic alternative to to down, like where possible. Uh, We try to use, you know, recycled products. And then if we can't use recycled, then we would go to a process of using a new product or virgin material. But there's no great sort of, Down is an amazing product. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no synthetic that can really beat it. There's synthetics that can complement it. But, yeah, Down is, is really quite a special thing. And we, We've just bought uh, this season we brought it down on our razor elite jackets and we, you know, we wanted to make sure that we didn't have any live plucked uh, birds even near what we do. So, yeah, we went to, uh, Alex and I went to China and we inspect, We went round the whole, you know, from the, the farm where they raised the birds and you know, saw how they're bred and how they're looked after and, you know, they're quite happy little chaps there. <laughs> And then yeah. we went to the the, the factory where they process the birds. So all the birds for our jackets are made into uh, Peking duck. Mm-hmm. So Peking duck is a, a Chinese specialty, and um, it's really tasty. Uh, so yep, it certainly yeah. is. <laughs> yep, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, so all the birds are are were made into Peking duck, and and then. The thing I liked about it was that because the birds are made into peking duck is that often peking ducks serve whole, so that the birds had you know had to be in really good condition. They couldn't have been they couldn't be abused or anything. Um, yeah, because it was shot, it'd be bruised. So yeah, so we went through this factory that uh, basically processed the birds, um, killed them, plucked them, and froze them, and then we went to the. The factory that processes the down, so that they wash the down and and blow dry it multiple times in a big tumble dryer before it's shipped to our factory where our jackets are
1: made. No, it's good. It's really good. Like a, yeah, can't sort of say it enough. Really, full full credit to you. I mean, I honestly mean that. I know we haven't met in person, but I do honestly mean full credit to you and your team. Like you say, to get team buy into that, that that's something pretty special. Um
2: So yeah, the buy-in that's is awesome. incredible. Yeah, it's sort of really united us a lot and you know, it takes a lot of extra time to do it the what we call the right way. Yep. You know, like to source these things and monitor it and go through that line, but it takes a lot of extra time. It's certainly not the easy way at all.
1: No. I think the the good thing about it is one, not only the out and out good that you're doing with the the recyclable or the more sustainable or even the the welfare-based decisions is you're sort of leading that way and I think there's a in turn as this message keeps getting delivered and the I hope like the earth overshoot days start becoming something that you know we're all considering in our day-to-day I think buying has started to shift that way but it's slowly like you know i I don't think I'd have to, you know, convince you too hardly that that the New Zealand buying public takes a wee while to make changes. But I think there is a shift there to understanding the impacts and understanding why, you know, buying from the likes of Hunter's Element or Evolve Outdoors, you know, is is actually beneficial for a whole lot more than, you know, the the, the purchaser and the seller. Like, you know, you're affecting more around the world. So I think there's a wee shift there and I, I really hope that that's a trend that you are currently seeing and continue to see. Yeah, thanks. We're very
2: proud of it. It's, yeah, that's really cool. Mm.
1: So, so straight back out to hunting. Do you have any? Um, do you have any hunt ambitions? Is there something on the list? Yeah, um,
2: pretty keen to um, shoot a big uh, elk one day. But um, yeah, I think a, a lot of it for me is just being out in, in that awesome environment. So yeah, just just being out there and, yeah, began to do a little bit more travelling further abroad hunting. Um, yep. But, um, yeah, I think, mean, yeah, it's just getting out there more than anything.
1: Yep, enjoying it and enjoying it with the people you enjoy being with, you know what I mean? It certainly yeah, becomes a big part of it. Are,
2: yeah, the times you have in the hills are really special and, you know, the friendships, you know, that you, mm. you know, make, um, Mm. The are really incredible
1: all right well rob i think that's um that's been a really good chat and i've really enjoyed you know learning a little bit more about what well, yourself but but the brand as well and you know i'm sure the listeners i'm, I'm hoping they're just sitting there having to think about their next buying decisions now because i you know that's that that's a big part of what i wanted but um what i will do is i'll put on the show notes i guess your website and you guys you guys are now running quite a bit on Instagram, I see. Yeah, uh, is there anything else there, on yeah. there you'd like us to link to?
2: Um, no website and Instagram is is pretty cool. Yeah, and if you give yep. us a bit of notice, we'll we'll push it back as well to get you.
1: Yep. Yeah. No. Perfectly, because we've got um we've actually got quite a um a big international following now too. So yeah, that'd be cool for those guys out there to see what's happening in little old New Zealand with the gear and and um you know the thoughts and actions we're doing within that gear. So that
0: would be cool. I appreciate it for your time. G'day. Thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Ireland, at The Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, theeducatedhunter.com. Our Instagram page is at Hunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.